0: Hey there, in this video we're talking about the four biggest myths surrounding meditation. This might seem like an innocent, fun video, but hearing this stuff could really be the difference between you developing a solid meditation practice and you stuttering stuttering along, feeling frustrated with meditation. So let's just get right into these four myths. Myth number one is that meditation means being calm and relaxed. In fact, I would even say that people equate meditation with an attempt to generate calm and relaxation. The thing is that people need a way to feel calm and relaxed. We need ways to unwind and disconnect from life. Because life is pretty life is pretty full on sometimes. And apps like Headspace and Calm, even the names, have happily fulfilled the need for relaxation and calm under the name meditation. What I found though is that these apps, what they're really often you are moments are techniques for relaxation and techniques for calming down, techniques for going to sleep better and they have sort of meditative undertones but really in the in essence they are not meditation it's a good marketing ploy because it allows us to hit a button on our phone have this moment of disconnection and give it a fancy name like meditation or whatever it is and we can tell our friends we can share it on social media we can say oh we've done i've done 10 minutes of meditation today when really you've not you've not done meditation there are caveats here, so relaxation meaning non-reaction, poise, equanimity. We certainly want to develop that and that's actually a core part of all meditation practice. You might call it non-reactiveness. But relaxation as in the meditation session should be like a spadi. This is not what we're looking for here. And if, if this is your goal, I suggest you look for relaxation practices that are designed to be soothing, rather than meditation. The thing is about life is that life is not calm and relaxing. It actually gets really painful and difficult, as we all know. Think of breakups, deaths, life crises, and times of illness. These are difficult times. Consider that one of the, the great gifts of meditation that you will discover if you stick with it for a long time is being able to experience those difficult times in an optimal way. And you don't do this by practicing relaxation, you do this by paying exquisite attention to your body and mind as they are in every moment. With practice, what you'll realize is that a few moments of relaxation is actually a really small goal and it It just pales in comparison to what true meditation can give you. Sometimes meditation is difficult and you'll have bad days. It's like weightlifting. You're actually doing weightlifting for your your attention skills. It's not always easy. And like what you do when you practice a musical instrument or you play a sport or you speak a foreign language, some days it just doesn't happen. Your skills just seem to elude you and This is just part of the deal with meditation. If you're going to practice it for days, months, years and decades, there's going to be days where it's just not going to happen. And if you create this idea that you need to be relaxed, you're going to think that not being relaxed is an issue. And it actually is definitely not an issue. In fact, it's probably the biggest opportunity you can have. And it's those moments of difficulty that are the moments where we grow most in meditation. There's a bit of a caveat here as well, because there are meditation techniques that you can use to induce relaxation, but the end is not really relaxation. It's about your attention skills and using the, the relaxation as an object of focus. So it's it's not black and white, but it's also we're not sitting there just looking to chill out for five minutes. That's not what we're doing, and that's what often guided meditations have you do. So what's sort of the way around this myth is that we should distinguish between relaxation techniques and meditation. I mean, both teachers and students. And we shouldn't really, we shouldn't cultivate relaxation in terms of meditation being a spadi as a goal in meditation and then measure our progress based on that. If we do that, we're we're just going to really get frustrated with it. And in the end, meditation is a long-term journey in developing the three core attention skills that we're going to talk about later in the course. Great, on to myth two. This is kind of tongue in cheek. (laughs) Myth two is that meditation is for bohemians and hippies. When I first came across meditation, I was kind of like, "What, what is this? Is this not for hippies, monks, bohemians, weirdos? And this is very prevalent throughout society. I remember I told an old math student, I used to do m- private maths classes, I told an old math student that I practiced meditation. And he, as soon as I said that he said, oh is this when you do that? So basically he thought it was about doing some weird dance. Uh, and I had I had absolutely no idea what they were doing. in they were absolutely wrong that is not meditation the fact is that meditation is actually really simple it's not that doesn't mean it's easy it's simple in that the instructions are very simple and there's not a lot of paraphernalia there doesn't have to be a lot of like external stuff it's actually about an interior transformation it's simple but it's it's also difficult But it's not about the exterior, the clothes you wear, the groups you identify with. It's not about wearing Indian clothes and it's not about lighting candles and incense. It's actually about inner transformation and it's nothing to do with the exterior stuff. Gold standard science is proving that meditation works. For short-term and medium-term practitioners of meditation, there are objective measurable effects in areas as diverse as stress, resilience, compassion, focused, self-obsessed, rumination and so on. In fact, when you start getting into the deep end of the pool, scientists have discovered things about monks and these really like Olympic level meditators that leave them completely bamboozled. These are things that have never been measured in a lab before, like brain activity, that's never been seen before. And the people investigating this are hard-nosed scientists, you know, the cream of the academic crop. They're very serious about uncovering the real effects of meditation free of what we project onto it. It's even starting to probe the very highest levels of meditation and it's science has proven, for example, that highly trained meditators have radically different brainwave signatures at rest than to normal people. And it basically proves that they've been permanently transformed through their meditative practice. And to reach those highest levels, you don't need to believe anything. You don't have to, you just have to be dedicated to what you're doing. And it's not about being a hippie. It's not about being vegetarian. It's not about being uh, bohemian and whatever, Marxist. It's not about belief and faith and ritual. It's about practice at the very core of it. So the the way around this myth, or the, it's sort of the myth of you have to be a bohemian and a hippie, but really it's it's so it's more to do with you have to like make you have to change who you are and your personality and who you identify with, and you need to start doing like um, hippie type activities. It's it's the way around that is to focus on the inner transformation, and forget about the social-cultural stuff, focus on the inner transformation. Great. Myth number three, perhaps the biggest myth in competition with number one. This is actually an enormously damaging belief. It's not just an innocent cultural myth that doesn't actually impact us. It really, it still impacts me actually, and I'm not quite sure where I picked it up from. What is this myth? This myth is that meditation is about silencing the mind. I'll just say off the bat that you should never make this the goal of your meditation, especially in the early days. If you do, you'll soon find that or you'll soon believe that meditation isn't for you. One thing you're going to realise through meditation not long into your journey is that it's just how much mental activity there is in us and how your entire sense of reality is influenced and obscured by what's going on in your mind. The mind is non-stop, in it; it's a storyteller. You also really realise that you can't control your thoughts. So, when you go to bed at night, for example, you need to turn off the light so you can go to sleep. You can just go up to the wall at will, boom, off it goes and it's gonna stay off unless you turn it on. It's gonna stay off until the next morning and you have 100% control of that light. Unless your child maybe gets rebellious and wants to annoy you, or your spouse wants to annoy you. Most of the time it's gonna remain off till the morning, unless someone switches it on. With thoughts, it's really the opposite of that. You can't command them to be quiet. It's not. It just doesn't work like that. There is no tap or switch. In fact, the key with meditation is to develop acute attention skills in spite of all the thoughts you're having. And actually go further than that is to include all your thinking within the process of paying attention. It might sound a bit abstract, but once you taste that for yourself, it won't seem abstract at all. In fact, this need for control over thinking is just part of our sense of self and our the need for control it has in everything. So it thinks, even when it's identified, identified with thoughts, it still thinks it needs to control them and then that it's going to one day be able to control them. I've spent years learning one meditation system. And no, not once is my teacher who's been doing this for 50 years. At no point have they ever told me that I need to silence the mind. Those words have never been uttered uh, in all the time I've been studying with them. And really, I think no good advanced practitioner will ever tell you this because they'll realise what I'm talking about here. In a deeper way as well, meditation is about developing skills that eventually induce higher states of consciousness and in these higher states of consciousness we go above and beyond the mind. The mind can still be active, crazy, but we're we're disidentified from the mind. And we realize that we never really were the mind despite the fact that we've been identified with it for so long. Great, on to myth number four and this is kind of again tackling a very common myth. Myth number four is that you need to be sitting alone in a quiet room to do meditation. So often the image we have of someone meditating is someone sitting down on the floor with their eyes closed, looking a bit withdrawn from the world. This is what I'll call formal practice. So think of this as driving a car in a car park when you're learning. When you're learning to drive the car, you don't know you can't operate the car properly and so you can't deal with other drivers. So the best thing to do at the very beginning is to drive in an empty car park where there's no distractions. And it just gives you a chance to work on the, the very pure core skills that you need just to move the thing, stop it, get it in gear, change gears, whatever. And you're not gonna bump into things, you're not gonna get distracted by anything around you. And the same analogy applies to meditation when you start out in meditation, you're going to need to exclude your practice to this form of meditation so that you can develop your skills to a certain level. And actually this is an ongoing part of meditation practice is to do this kind of sort of isolated practice in silence. But eventually you're going to realize at some point that you need to drive on busy roads, you need to bring meditation into your life, into everything you do. And only being on busy roads will get you that. And at some point the, the sitting quietly in a room alone just becomes a limiting. It becomes a just a part of your practice. Eventually the the difference between what is meditation and what isn't start it just over time it's it really dissolves and eventually you get to the point where there is no difference between your life and meditation. Let's listen to Shinzen Young. He says, quote, to begin with, meditation is a part of your day, but there comes a point when your day is part of your meditation, end quote. So a very catchy quote that one, but it's true. So you can walk around with your eyes open in a city, a flurry of activity around you, but your meditation skills are waiting for you and you can actually be in a deep meditative state of awareness in in the midst of all that. And another facet of this is that you want to be able to drop into a meditation, cycles of meditation or a meditative state whenever you want, whenever you need to. Your meditation skills start to inform your entire life. You become a monk in the world, bringing it to every activity, every moment that you possibly can. Even in the darkest moments, the dark moments I talked about like breakups, divorces, illnesses, life crises, your meditation will be waiting for you. In fact, in those moments it might be the only thing that you have. The key to avoiding all of these myths that tend to arise from people who actually haven't (laughs) actually done a lot of meditation, is to simply practice long term. And that way you'll actually see what it does for yourself. And in this course, we're going to show you how to do that.